0: Good morning. Any Welsh people here this morning? (laughs) If you're here, we just—I want to let you know now that there's an opportunity for prayer at the end for healing. (laughs) I'm not—I'm not a big rugby fan. I I was out yesterday um, at an away day, speaking somewhere. which was great. And I got home sort of halfway through the first half of the rugby match. My husband was glued to the TV. He didn't even acknowledge me walking into the room. I tried to start a conversation. He wasn't interested. (laughs) (laughs) Who's uh, enjoying the weather? Call me shallow, but isn't it nice to have seen a bit of sun this week? I do love the seasons, but winter is my least uh, favorite season. And uh, a couple of sunny days just sort of feels like it's wetting my appetite. I don't know if you feel that. It just begins to feel like spring's a bit round the corner. And God is a God of the seasons. And uh, we are in a season of Lent uh, leading up to uh, Easter. If you're visiting us uh, this morning, can I add my welcome to you? And just to fill you in that we are in a season. We, have, we began last week uh, a, a short series on looking at uh, the subject of the wilderness which is a bit of a Lent theme. Uh, Andrew introduced it for us last week, and he reminded us that the wilderness is a place that we can choose to go, a place that we can sort of decide to intentionally separate ourselves and go off and spend time with Jesus. And actually, one of the words that is used when the Bible talks about him uh, retreating to a solitary place is the same word that is used for the wilderness. But he also said that, and it reminded us, that it is a place that can choose us. So it's not necessarily a place that we choose, but a place that can choose us. And this morning, I'm going to focus intentionally on that place that chooses us, not the wilderness as a place that we choose, but as a place that chooses us. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. It was a season in his short life and in his short life of ministry. It was a wilderness season for him. God is a god of the seasons and for for all of us at some point in our lives we will spend a season of time in the wilderness and maybe more than one season and uh, some of you here this morning will be in a wilderness season you know you are here and your the story of your life if we were to unpack it not your story of your life but your story of your current experience with God is that spiritually you feel dry and you're wondering you know why there isn't more of a a, a tangible touch and experience and encounter with God as you do your daily life. And if you're in a wilderness season, you'll most likely identify with these words of David. David was brilliant at articulating what it was like at times uh, to be uh, in this sort of spiritually dry place. And he said this, this is just one example from Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? How long must I wrestle and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Maybe you know what it's like to feel that. Maybe you haven't necessarily articulated it to God, but something within you resonates with that cry. And if you're not in a wilderness season, then praise the Lord. But listen in anyway, because in a family like this, there are many of us that are in a wilderness season at the moment. And actually, they need us. You know, if we're not in a wilderness season, they need us to stand alongside them and to walk alongside them and to encourage them. And if you're in a wilderness season and you haven't chosen it, it has chosen you. The last thing you need is people walking alongside you going, oh, just have more faith or everything's really exciting because what that contributes to is a sense of, gosh, somehow it's my fault that I'm here and I should be able to just get out of it. And a season is by very definition a season. It has a beginning and it has an end, but it's not necessarily something that we control. can control. So I Googled wilderness. And uh, found a few images, and this was the one I particularly like. Can we have the picture? Oh, thank you. There's a wilderness. I don't know if that's what you picture when you think of uh, the idea of a wilderness. But it kind of typifies what a wilderness is about. There's not a lot in that place, is there? I mean, you know, some of us might think it's quite beautiful. I think all kinds of different landscapes are beautiful in their way, own way. But there's not much colour in it. There's not much life. There's no people, there's no coffee shops, there's no water, there's no food, there's no Wi Fi, and there's probably no 4G there either. You know, wilderness is characterized by the notion of absence. So if you're in a wilderness season, It may be that you're really struggling and you're really wrestling and you're in pain with certain life circumstances. That can certainly be a characteristic of a wilderness season. But it's not necessarily automatically something that propels us into the wilderness. I had a friend whose husband dropped dead overnight, very tragically and unpredictably. And yet, in her grief and in the the sort of journey that she went on, she felt God incredibly close she felt his nearness, she felt his tenderness, and it was a particularly special time for her. So a wilderness season may be characterized by challenge and difficulty, but not necessarily. It may just be characterized for you as just a a, a prolonged patch of sort of spiritual dryness, emptiness, wondering, you know, why is my connection with the Lord so unfulfilling? Where is he? What's he doing? Why can't I hear him more clearly? Why can't I connect with him? And again, the Bible, the biblical uh, concept of wilderness isn't the kind of wilderness and disconnection from God that is just kind of somehow within our control. And it's just the fruit of us just being kind of too busy or too digitally distracted and sort of not really making the effort or the time and the space to find some, some contact with him and to, to create the opportunity to connect with him and to get into his word and, get it, uh, and, and to pray This biblical concept of the wilderness season is that we're doing that. We're praying our prayers and we're opening the Bible and we're we're coming to church as we are all doing here. And yet somehow God seems more absent than present. And it's not that he is absent, but it's that he feels like he's absent. So it's this kind of season where we feel like we long to hear from him and he's just not speaking. Or it feels like we're praying our prayers, but they're bouncing off the ceiling. And you seriously wonder if he's listening. It's a season that's marked out more by no experiences or very rare experiences of him rather than lots of experiences of him. And if you're in a wilderness season, you may well feel like you've done something wrong. I think that's a a characteristic that can often sort of come and haunt us. You may feel like you've done something wrong. And maybe you have. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness before God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And actually, he was propelled into the wilderness because he murdered an Egyptian. You know, he was a bit too passionate to set his people free, and he murdered an Egyptian. And he fleed into the wilderness, and that's where he ended up for 40 years. But it wasn't a punishment. You know, if we've, if we've made a mistake, if we've got something wrong, we just need to be honest with it before the Lord confess it, and God will move us on. But for Moses, God chose to use that season in his life. But God doesn't use the wilderness to punish us. You know, if you're here this morning and you're wondering, am I in this season of life? Am I feeling dry and disconnected from God because he's punishing me? He punished Jesus on the cross. When Jesus was crucified, he took the punishment for our sins, past, present and future, which means there is no more punishment ever. There is forgiveness so if you were in a dry place this morning and you're wondering where the Lord is, he is not punishing you. But the chances are you haven't done anything wrong. You're just in the wilderness season if that's you or those around you. And uh, I, I wrestled with this really significantly at one point um, in, my, in my life. I found myself wrestling, Lord, what have I done wrong? What have, just show me what I've done wrong. Show me what I can do differently. Because, you know, secret message in my heart. I just want to get out of this place and move on. Show me what I've done. And it tortured me for a while until the Lord said to me, Hills, Hills, let's talk about Joseph. Can you remember what happened to Joseph in prison? Why did he end up in prison? And of course, I'm sitting there thinking, well, he ended up in prison because he was wrongly imprisoned. He fleed from a woman who wanted to have sex with him and then falsely accused him because he rejected her. And he ended up in prison for doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. So we can end up in a wilderness season just because... The season finds us and we've done nothing wrong. And if you're in a wilderness season, chances are it feels pretty lonely. You're probably surrounded by all kinds of people that don't necessarily understand or relate to what's going on in your life or how you feel. There's a sense of isolation often for those of us that find ourselves in places or seasons like this. And maybe you find yourself wondering because of that sense of isolation, well, has God abandoned me? Has he actually left me? Where's he gone? Where are you, Lord? Like the cry of David in that, that psalm. Maybe you've even got to the stage or you've even had the thought, well, is God really real? Have I made this whole thing up? Is God really real? We, we can be assaulted by all kinds of questions. And as Andrew said last week, We can choose to go there. We can find ourselves there led by our own choices. We can find ourselves there led by the choices of others. That was Joseph's experience. It was somebody else's sin. It was somebody else's mistake. It was circumstances, you know, challenge, uh, difficulty in his life that was caused by somebody else's choices. But we can also find ourselves there because the Spirit has led us there. And Jesus was led into the wilderness by God. It was the spirit that took him there. It was the spirit that took the Israelites into the wilderness as they left Egypt. There are seasons in our lives where the Lord takes us there. But however we find ourselves in that season, whenever we are in that season, God always has a plan, and a purpose for it. And I can look at uh, the slide like we just looked at of the wilderness and think there's nothing there. There's no potential there. You know, if I was going to try and do some farming in that place, I wouldn't, you know, be able to grow any crops. What potential is there in a place like that? That is why it is like it is. And yet to God, the wilderness is a place of incredible potential. It's a place that God uses really powerfully. It's actually a place that is necessary for the plans and purposes of God in our lives at some point or other. So let's just read uh, the passage for today. Uh, For those of you that are visiting, we're tracking along with a book written by a a lady called Paula Gooder. And if you're a member of the church and you haven't got one yet, I think you can buy a a copy of the book, which is a a series of devotionals through... uh, Lent on this season of the wilderness. And uh, the passage for this week uh, that we're looking at is the passage from Mark, the first chapter of Mark, uh, the first, well, not the first verse, we're missing out the first verse for some reason and reading the second 12 verses. (laughs) So it's going to come up on the screen. So this is at the beginning of Mark's gospel. And Mark is, is quoting the prophet Isaiah and saying, as it's written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord make straight paths for him and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness and he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River and John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist it was super trendy this guy and he ate locusts and honey and this was his message after me comes the one more powerful than I the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and at that time, Jesus came out from Nazareth in Galilee and he was baptized by John in the river Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the river, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. You are my son, who I love. With you, I'm so pleased. I'm well pleased. And then at once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by satan and as he was with the wild he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him the wilderness has always been a necessary place for the plans and purposes of god because as this passage illustrates brilliantly the wilderness is a powerful place of preparation The phrase that Mark uses, that John uses, that God uses through him as a prophet, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, is prepare the way of the Lord. The wilderness is a place of preparation. And John goes out to the wilderness where there isn't anybody and starts giving this message, prepare the way. And he's shouting in the wilderness. He's not putting it out over Twitter. He's not doing a bit of door-to-door evangelism in Judea and saying the Lord's coming get ready. He's not even, you know, going to the leaders of of the uh, community. He's not going to the spiritual leaders. He's not going to the synagogues to say, get ready for God, prepare for God, make way for God. But he's going into the wilderness because the wilderness is a place in God's hands of preparation. John is literally calling to the people in the wilderness, "Get get ready for God, get ready for God, get ready for God, get ready for God. And then Jesus gets sent by the Spirit into the wilderness to get ready for his ministry. He's been baptized. He's been announced to the world. And the Spirit sends him into the wilderness. Friend, if you find yourself in the wilderness in any kind of dry season where you are struggling to some extent in your relationship with God to feel connected to him, to feel his presence, to know his love in a tangible way, you are in a place of preparation. God has got you there to get you ready. God has got you there to get you ready. Think back to the Israelites in the wilderness. They were led out of Egypt and God took them into the wilderness and they were meant to be there for a season of time, not 40 years, but longer than it took to get directly from Egypt to the promised land. God had ordained a season for them in the wilderness. Why? To get them ready for where they were going to teach them how to be sanctified warriors, to teach them how to trust him so that they could prosper in the promised land. He got them there. He took them there to get them ready, to get them ready for their next season. He chose the wilderness as his training ground. God wanted to get Moses ready to lead his people out of Egypt. Where did he choose to get him ready? He chose to get him ready in the wilderness. God wanted to get King David ready to be Israel's greatest king. Where did he choose to get him ready? He chose to get him ready in the wilderness. Paul got saved in a dramatic way. And he was sent into Arabia for three years before he began his ministry. Where did God choose to get him ready? He chose to get him ready in the wilderness. And he chose to take Jesus into the wilderness to get him ready for a ministry of power and signs and wonders. God uses the wilderness to get his people ready, to get us ready at different seasons in our life for the next thing that he has for us, for the next thing he wants to do through us and for what he wants to do in us. And friends, if we don't remember this, the wilderness is a phenomenally discouraging place. And like the Israelites, lots of us don't ever emerge from the wilderness because we become so discouraged by it. And we're vulnerable to the lies of the enemy, just as Jesus was, just as David articulates in that psalm. He's not actually declaring them as lies, but he's articulating his doubts. God, have you rejected me? God, have you forsaken me? God, can you hear me? You know, Psalm 77, if you want to look it up later, because you, you, know, you want some words to be able to pray in your own place, the place where you find yourself, Psalm 77 is full of them. It's fantastic. I love the Psalms. They're so honest and authentic and real. Has the Lord rejected me forever, the psalmist says. God, will you ever be kind to me again? God, are your promises null and void? God, have you forgotten To be gracious to me. You know, those are the words of somebody who's in a spiritually dry season. But the Israelites, when they were in their dry season, they concluded that God, yes, had rejected them. And yes, He had taken them there to to sort of abandon them and to leave them and to stop being kind to them and everything else. And in the end, it was that, it was falling for those lies that sort of robbed them of the destiny that they had in God. And he waited until a new generation was born to take them into the promised land. Friend, however you're feeling this morning, God has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He has not decided to put a sell-by date on his kindness to you and his compassion to you. He's not ignoring you. He hears your prayers. He hears your cry. It's just that if you're in a place like this, he's taking you somewhere that requires you to be in this kind of place first. He's at work, and he's getting, re- getting you ready, and he's using your circumstances to do that. And what happens in the wilderness, I think one of the reasons why it's so important is what happens in the wilderness can't happen in our busy, distracted, overloaded, complicated lives. There's something about the simplicity of a wilderness experience, painful and challenging as it is, that focuses our minds and our hearts and our attention. Listen to what he said to the Israelites. Deuteronomy 8 verse 16. This is Moses talking to the Israelites, reminding them what the point of the wilderness was. Moses says this, He, God, gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. He fed you miraculously to humble you and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. There we are. It's God's heart for his people. It's his heart for you. It's his heart for me this morning that it might go well with you. But the wilderness was a season for the Israelites to prepare them so that it would go well with them. And then a few verses earlier in Deuteronomy 8.2, Moses says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you. There we are again. It's a place of humbling and testing in order to know what was in your heart. A wilderness is a great place to discover who you are and what you believe and where you put your trust and what your heart is attached to. I don't know what you think of tests. I hate tests. (laughs) Had to do loads of tests at school. And then some people go on and do things that they have to, you know, learn. They get qualifications where they have to learn and do more tests. Does does anyone in here like tests? Maybe some people do. Yeah, the odd person. There's always somebody who likes a good test. (laughs) I don't like tests. But do you know what? I have four children. They all drive cars now. And boy, am I glad for the driving test. I had one son in particular who, when he, he got his first test through, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you cannot let him pass this test. You seriously cannot let him pass this test if there, you know, is going to remain safety on the roads in Cheltenham. And I prayed that he would fail the test. What kind of mother am I? Because I prayed that he'd fail the test because he wasn't ready to pass it. And thankfully, it was as he was indicating to turn left up the wrong way, up a, wrong, one, a one-way street, that the nail was put in his coffin but the test did a really good thing he wasn't ready to be safe on the road with the car and it sent him back into sort of slightly driving wilderness bless him he wasn't very pleased about it until he was ready to pass and to drive safely and to do well for himself and everyone else tests are a good thing because we find out how much we know or how good a driver we are or you know whether we've you know going to pass our geography or whatever and that was the point of the world that is one of the points of the wilderness a place of testing there are things that happen in our dry seasons that can only happen there but one of the primary things that happens in that testing, that God's intention is that that testing in us makes room for more of God in us. That it makes room for more of God's love in us. That it makes us and shapes us in such a way that we're more able to experience his love. To recognize his voice more clearly. To make more room for him in our hearts. And it's where the wilderness is the place where God brings forth because of all of that. A fresh work and a fresh move of his spirit. He uses the wilderness as a place to refine us. I'm not a jam maker. I made my first batch of jam this summer, went blackberry picking. Family love blackberry jam. Does anyone here like blackberry jam? We love blackberry jam in our family. So we picked loads of blackberries on on Cleve Hill and I made jam. But I am told if for anybody that makes plum jam, but if you put all the plums in a pan and you turn up the heat, the stones rise to the surface and then you skim off the stones so you don't end up with loads of stones in your jam. I can't tell you whether that's true or not because I've never done it, but I have been told that. But that's what happens when we're in a dry and a testing season in our lives, when God kind of steps uh, rem- um, t- removes his felt presence, never his actual presence, but our sense of his presence from us. And when he doesn't answer the prayers that we're crying out for him to pray in that season. Because what rises to the surface within us, what we get to see if we're interested in, is what do I really believe about God? What do I really believe about him when he's not doing what I expected him to do? How, How much do I really love him for who he is? And how much do I actually only love him for what he can do for me? How much do I trust him? And the promises and the things that he said to me in a previous season when they don't look like there's any chance of them happening and coming true. It's in the wilderness that I discover what I really believe about Jesus and who he is for me and who he's promised to be. It's in the wilderness when I really find out how much I love him and whether I love him more than what he's not doing. It's in the wilderness where I just discover and I begin to realize, do I trust my own efforts to get me through life and to sort out these kind of things or do I trust his grace for me? That's where I discover those things. So the wilderness has a potential to be an incredible place of discovery if we want to see what is really there. And of course, God wants us to see it because he wants to do something with it. (laughs) He wants us to go, oh my word, Lord, I thought I trusted you. I thought I really, I thought had more faith than this. You know, the stone coming up to the surface. And I can see under this pressure that I'm really struggling and I don't know if I do. And the doubts feel bigger than my confidence in you in this particular respect. Help me. Do something with my heart. Move. Change me. There's so much potential in the wilderness. As I said from that picture, not much grows there and not much lives there, but the one thing that grows in the wilderness in abundance if our hearts are open to the Lord is faith. It's actually the best place for faith to grow. Now, I haven't got time this morning to talk about how that process happens. We're not going to talk about that, but I just want to finish by just lobbing out a few suggestions if you're in that place this morning or if you're walking alongside people who are in a dry season who are wrestling with God and this whole thing of God where are you and what are you doing in my life I just want to lob out a few suggestions that have been helpful in my own personal journey uh, through my own wilderness seasons that may be helpful and the first thing as I said at the beginning is to remember it's a season (laughs) It can feel like it's going to go on forever. And God doesn't say, look, put this in your Google calendar. You know, on April the 29th, it's going to be over. He doesn't say that. So it feels that's part of the point of the testing and the pressure. But remember, it's only a season. It was only a season for Jesus. It was only a season for all those people that we've talked about in the Bible. And it's only a season for you and me when we find ourselves in it. It won't last forever. Secondly, I have found it really helpful to practice and to push into gratitude. I know I say this a lot here, but actually there's an incredible power in gratitude in helping keeping us connected to God and what he has done in the past. And when I remember what God has done in the past, I am much more likely to be open to confidence growing me in me about what he's going to do in the future. And at the end of that psalm that I put up at the beginning when David was saying, you know, how long, O Lord, how long, O Lord? He says, I will sing the Lord's praise. The most beautiful juxtap- juxtaposition. I can't feel you. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are. I'm really struggling, but I will praise you. I will praise you. We could say so much about that. And in Psalm 77, that other psalm that I mentioned is a brilliant psalm that sort of highlights and and describes this kind of experience. The psalmist articulates all his, his wrestling and his questions for God, but then he says, but I will remember your deeds from before. Like I said, being thankful helps us to remember what God has done in the past. Thirdly, I would encourage you, if you're in a season like this, or you know somebody who is, to read a Psalm a day. I think it's very difficult when we're not feeling motivated, we're not feeling connected, and we feel like we're living by willpower in a season like this, which is what it can feel like. We don't have a huge capacity to concentrate and dig into the Bible. Reading a Psalm a day is amazing, because it's It's keeping us in the word of God and God still wants to speak to us through his word. And that's been my experience. He has given me daily bread through his word. But the Psalms are so amazing. They are God's gift to us, especially if we're in a place like this. Because the Psalmist is writing what I'm feeling. And it's really helpful when somebody's writing what I'm feeling. Because first of all, I'm feeling encouraged that somebody who got their books in the Bible felt like I do. And secondly, it helps me to have words you know, for my situation to be able to cry out for God. Read a psalm a day. Just do something with it. Open the Bible and get your head in it and get your head into the psalms. Fourthly, don't complain. There's a really shocking verse in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6 where Paul is talking about the problems that the Israelites diverted to, as it were, in their wilderness experience and why they never ended up seeing the promised land. And and they... That Paul lists idolatry, he lists, lists sexual immorality, I think he lists greed, and then he lists complaining. Not the kind of word I would expect to find sitting alongside those others, but they complained against God about their experience, as if somehow God owed them something better. Friends, let's not complain about the season that God has us in. Yes, we can acknowledge it's challenging and difficult, but let's not moan about it to him or to others. Stay connected to God's community. When when you're struggling with your faith, you need to be walking alongside people who've got faith for you where you haven't. People who can encourage you when you need encouraging. People who are going to speak life to you and over you when you're wrestling with doubt. Podcasts are great. Spotify worship lists are great, but that's not community. We need the body To speak life over us when we are struggling in those dry places, and to pray for us. And lastly, don't forget, in the dark, what Jesus told you in the light. Jesus went into the wilderness just after God had said to him, "This is my son, who I love, and I'm really pleased with him." And then, in the wilderness, he ended up wrestling with that whole thing. "Am I God's son? What's going on here?" And and. Many of us here, we've got prophetic words, we've got promises, God has spoken to us in the past. And we've got that stuff, and yet in the wilderness we tend to let go of it and forget it. And we forget what God said, and we forget who God has said we are. Friends, we need to go back and revisit that stuff and dig it out. Whether it's in your journal, whether you can just remember it, or whether you've written it down somewhere in your Bible. Dig out the stuff that God said to you in the light and hold on to it in the dark. Don't dig it up. If you're not in a wilderness season this morning, please find somebody who is and get alongside them and encourage them and lift them up and hold their hands and cheer them on and tell them it's only a season and it's not going to last forever and speak with faith over them that God is preparing them. God is preparing them for more of him and for more of his work through them. And if that's you and you are in a place like this, I say that to you. God is preparing you. He's preparing you for more of him. He's preparing you to be a receptor of more of his love, to be a conduit of more of his love. He's wanting to grow your faith and he wants to move through you. And he's at work in you as we sang in this season, even though you can't feel it. So let's stand. If you're a visitor here, we just end our time together before we go and grab children and coffee, in that order, hopefully. (laughs) But we try and be safe with our coffee when we have our children. (laughs) We end our times together with an opportunity just to, to spend a few moments waiting on the Lord. We like to give ourselves the opportunity to pray for those in our family that want prayer or need prayer. So let's just be quiet for a moment. Father, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. We thank you, Lord, whether we feel you or not, you are here because you've promised never to forsake us, never to leave us, never to abandon us, never to let us go. Nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you that you're here with us now. You're here with us in this moment and you're for us. You're for us. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Just come. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just come and move in our hearts. Move in this place. Move us, Lord. for some of you God is just touching you right now where you are it's just a gentle sense of his nearness to you thank you Lord thank you Jesus more of you more of you Lord Thank you that you have more for us, Lord. Thank you that there is so much more of you for all of us. Thank you that you want to lead us into the greater depths of your love, a greater experience of your mercy, that you want to increase our capacity to trust you, that we might walk forward in greater freedom and in greater power. with more hope and able to meet, release more life in your world. And we say, Lord, we want more of you. We want more of you. We want more of you, Lord. It's one of the things that happens in a wilderness place is that hunger and thirst are stirred up. Just welcome that. Welcome his stirring in you. If this morning if you're in that dry place or you're really wrestling I believe that the Lord wants to minister to you Jesus, he sent his angels to minister to Jesus. Well, we're not angels, (laughs) but we are the body of Christ. And Jesus needed ministry in the wilderness, in that dry place. He needed the tender love of the Father to encourage him and strengthen him and minister to him. And if you're here this morning and you're in a dry place, or you're wrestling, or you're struggling, or you just want more of God and to know his touch on your life, and you've been wanting to for a while, just come. I want to invite you to come forward to allow. Trinity brothers and sisters, not angels, but the ministry of the spirit through Trinity brothers and sisters for God to bless you through them. So if that's you, thank you. Just come down to the front.